Welcome to the Taris Community Church Podcast. Enjoy today's episode. So, Jesus' most used description of himself that he uses the most in, in the Gospels is the word, the Son of Man. So that's how he defined himself and every excuse he got, he introduced himself as the Son of Man. And the Son of Man means uh, one who is human or humanness. And and from this we can see that Jesus just embraces his humanity. He's not ashamed of being human. He loves being human. And um, I don't think, you know how there's this kind of concept that somehow Jesus drew the short straw in coming to earth? Um, You know, when the Father and the Spirit and the Son were kind of working out the redemption plan and he drew the short straw. I actually don't think that there's anything in Scripture that actually suggests that at all. I actually think that Jesus was very excited about coming to earth and I think that he was excited about the idea of helping us change our mind about who God actually is. And that's what he came to do. But sometimes we kind of look at Jesus' life and we kind of forget that he was fully human. So he was like you and I. So when we see him, um, say, resisting um, the devil in the wilderness, we kind of think he had this superpower, like he was some sort of alien. Um, He had some sort of super cape that made him different to us. We think, see him in the Garden of Gethsemane and we see him praying there and we kind of think, oh, he had this superpower which meant that he could submit to the will of God in a way in which we struggle with. We see him performing miracles or um, giving words and, and knowledge and all that and we kind of think he has this superpower that is different to us. But, God, but Jesus had to rely on the Spirit of God just as much as you and I. And so what he's doing is he's modelling how to live life here on planet Earth, fully human with God. So it's a life with God that he came to actually um, show how, how we could do it. And I think he was excited about it. I think he was excited about us changing our mind. So like one of the things that Jesus did um, a lot of was he spent a lot of time with God praying. There's a lot of time where Jesus goes off on his own, hours at a time, and he communes with God. And when he gives a teaching about the Lord's Prayer, he, we kind of see it as a devotional kind of um, preach, if you want to put it that way. But I actually think that when Jesus was giving it, he was sort of saying, this is spiritual resistance training. I'm going to train you to know how to, how to pray so that you know how to live and walk through life. In those days, um, when when the Romans came and they took over a a region or a country, what they did was they would salt the fields so that then the fields couldn't produce. And then what would happen would the the Romans then would come through the um, streets and they would call out, your daily bread, your daily bread, your daily bread's here. And so they would subjugate the people and make the people dependent on them because they would provide the food for them. So when Jesus is actually saying in the Lord's Prayer to trust God for your daily bread, it's actually a confrontation of the two, I suppose, oppressive powers that were in existence at the time. So he was actually confronting the the way in which people were living. He was sort of saying, I don't want you to trust Rome for your food. I don't want you to trust 
the empire for your living, for your, the way in which you live. I want you to trust God and his kingdom and what he can actually provide for you, which was a very radical concept back then. But it's not that radical either because today I think he would say the same thing. I don't want you to trust the Liberal, Labor, Green, whatever, gun party, whatever there is out there, the cat party. I don't want you to trust Russia, China, the US, Great Britain, whatever the superpower of the time is. I don't want you to trust the ec economy. Is it a good economy or is it an inflation economy? I don't want you to trust that for your, for your well-being and your lifestyle. I actually want you, when you pray, I want you to go to that secret place and I want you to begin to understand that God loves you and he is for you and he wants to enter into your world and help you in your world. So that's one superpower that he took on just in teaching on how to pray. The other one was the religious body. So the religious people of the time, they were sort of saying that the only way in which God would listen to you was if you were pious, if you were good, so if you were cleaned up, nice, neat and tidy, if you were tidy, if you bought the right sacrifice, so if it was a good little lamb, it's lambing season now, so, you know, pick the best of the lambs and bring them in, or doves or whatever... And then you had to be in a synagogue, it had to be in a church, and it had to be through the priest. So it would be like you guys, you know, you, you, you sort of say, okay, I'm going to come and I'm going to be good this week, and here's my little lamb, and you come to the church here on this, this morning, and you give me the lamb, and then I pray for you, and that's the only way in which God is actually going to respond to you. So when Jesus tells us in the Lord's Prayer to pray to God for our daily bread, he's actually confronting these two powers. And what he's actually saying is, is that God sees you, He's interested in your world. He's interested in your life. You actually don't have to um, be free of cynicism and despair and have your life all together. He's actually saying, I will come into whatever situation you are in. I just need you to actually call out to me and actually want to have a relationship with me. I want to commune with you. I want to have this, have this kind of relationship and for me, this is where hope is found. It's, it's not found, you know, hope's a funny, funny word. We put it on T-shirts, we sing about it, and we've kind of made it this sort of, oh, I don't know, this trendy, sexy kind of a word these days. But actually, for me, I have found hope to be found when we're at rock bottom. It's found in the wild. It's found in the messy. It's found in spaces that I never knew that hope could emerge or exist. It springs up. You know, I often love listening to stories of alcoholics and addicts because I think that they often get to the end of the rope in a way in which some of us others struggle. But, you know, when they're in that space of utter brokenness, they hit that rock bottom, there's shame, there's humiliation, there's disgust, there's powerlessness, there's emptiness, they're at the end of their rope and they call out to this amazing God and then they discover that there's this power that actually comes in and transforms and helps them do life. And so this is what Jesus is actually doing when he comes to earth. He's constantly saying to us, he's, he's trying to say to us, teach us, he's trying to show us, he's trying to live it. He's trying to say there's a way of doing life with God. I'm here because I want to change your mind. I want to change the way in which you're thinking um, about God. 
So what does all that have to do with the story from Luke? And what does all that have to do with this series where we're talking about everywhere we go, God goes with us? Well, if we look in this story, we see that Peter's tired. He's tried to catch fish all night. He's used his gifts, he's used his talent, he's used his strength, he's used his knowledge, he's done everything he possibly can to actually catch fish and he came up empty and he's sitting there and he's sitting in cynicism and despair and if you ask me, our culture at the moment sits in cynicism and despair and there's no hope for change for anything unless I take a tablet or I get an injection for something that that's, we, we rely on the medical system in a way in which I've never seen us rely on the medical system but we're sitting in cynicism and despair and cynicism and despair says that nothing can change And so here's Peter, and you know, like when Jesus kind of sort of says to him, let's go fishing, mate, you know, you hear the cynicism, oh, I went out all last night, you know what, mate, this is my field, you're a builder, I'm a fisherman, I'm telling you, there's no fish there. And I often think of that in relation to evangelism, I often feel like the church is there, Christians are there, oh, nobody would be interested in God, nobody's interested in Christian things, none of my friends are interested in who Jesus is. You know, I, oh, you know, Australians just aren't very spiritual. We say the same kind of thing. It's cynicism and despair. But then Jesus kind of says, you know what, let's go out. Come on, just, just let, let's go out. And they go out and this time they catch fish. They catch so many fish. What's the difference? The difference is, is that Jesus understands that God is interested in Peter that God understands Peter, that God actually wants to come into Peter's world and do something in his life. So Jesus sees the kingdom of God. He doesn't see what's happening. He's not looking to roam the empire. He's not looking to the religious stuff. He just knows that God wants to be close, present, personal, intimate, real, authentic in this space that needs hope. He comes and he provides hope. Living dependent on God is really difficult. It's really difficult. And this is the invitation that Jesus is giving to Peter. He's kind of sort of saying, you know, you've relied on on yourself, you've relied on your skill, you've relied on your knowledge, you've relied on all this, but you know what? You came up empty and it was God that made the difference. It was God that stepped into the middle of where you, you felt there was despair and cynicism And look what happened. He actually did something. And most of us in Western culture, we've actually constructed a life where we no longer have to be dependent on God. We're very middle class. Even if you're on a disability pension or a a, um, single parent pension, you are still in the richest uh, 4% of the world. You are wealthy. And you're very, we're very comfortable. We have everything we need. So it's very hard for us to step into this space of actually having to rely on God for anything. And if we're not being self-sufficient, then on the other scale, we live codependent, where we have all these incredible ideas um, that we want to do or whatever, Um, But we can't ever do them unless God makes a way for them to do it. But there's kind of like a little bit of an apathy there. So unless somebody um, pays you, 
um, endorses you or writes you a letter of permission, you kind of sit there with your gifts and your talents or whatever and you kind of go, oh, I'd love to do that, but I can't. So it might be that you have the gift of prophecy. Oh, I can't do that until the senior leaders release me. I want to be um, a, a pastor. Oh, nobody's going to um, give me the opportunity to learn to be a pastor. Oh, I want to be a speaker. Nobody's going to give me a chance on the stage. I want, to, I want to pray in a prayer group. Oh, there's no prayer meeting. Do you get the idea? We're codependent. We, we kind of have all these grandiose things that we would like to do in our head, but we're waiting for other people to give us permission rather than, wow, God, this is how you've wired me. You've put this passion in this dream on the inside of me. So how am I going to trust you to actually bring that into being? It's very hard for us to live dependent on God and yet that's what Jesus was doing when he came, fully human, just like you and I, trying to model to us that God is interested and he wants to walk with us and do life with us. Alan Hirsch writes, "Um, at the source of all that is wrong with humans is a false and ugly image of God. It's hard for us to break our image of God and to actually see the God. You know, every morning when I open, because um, I, I just love the Gospels, so I just read them and read them and read them. But at the moment, my prayer is, God, don't let me interpret it according to my religious heritage, my church heritage or my culture. Help me to see this fresh and new. Help me to see how you really existed and how you really related to people. And, you know, when I look at this story with Jesus, when he tells Peter to go and put out the nets to catch, I see him living out the Lord's Prayer. In a sense, he's teaching Peter the Lord's Prayer. He says here, our Father who are in heaven. So in relation to Peter, he's going, I'm going to trust you, God, and not Rome or religion. But Peter, let's go out and let's trust that God's actually going to do something in the middle of this. He's our Father in heaven. He loves us. He's for you. Let's go out and take a risk and just see what God might do. I know that fishing on your own, you've come up trumps, but you know what? Let's involve God in the process. Your kingdom come, your will be done. My will and my kingdom is one of love, and I want everyone to know that I love them and that I'm for them. That means that doesn't mean that God stands there and he just says, I love you. It means he's like a parent. Like you want to engage with your children. You want to engage in, in um, what they're doing. You know, Camilla turned up this morning. You'd see little tears running down her cheeks, and the first thing I wanted to do was just grab her and hold her and say, it's okay, honey. And I think that God's as engaged and as involved in that. He sees stuff and he just wants to come close. Peter, I want you to know as we go fishing today that you're loved, I'm with you, you can depend on me. Give us today our daily bread. Peter, God's interested in your daily struggles, your setbacks, your hurts, your real life. He understands that your income last night was zero. He understands that financially you're in trouble because you didn't catch any fish last night and there's no welfare to back you up. There's no Centrelink. He understands that. So let's go and see what God actually might provide for you today. Forgive those who sin against us. Peter, forgive the people who taught you that unless you were perfect and sacrificed and did all the right things that God's not interested in doing life with you. Forgive 
those religious constructs. Forgive those cultural constructs. Forgive those parent messages that we receive which tell us that we live in shame and that we're not worthy, that God wouldn't be interested in us. Forgive us the comparison games when we compare, oh, God will answer Sharon's prayer, but you know, who am I? You know, I'm a person with a disability on a pension. You know, I've got to um, grow up in foster care, whatever. God, God's not going to be as interested in answering my prayers as Sharon. Sharon has a direct line to God. I kind of have this, you know, wonky circuit that happens. I think that Jesus would be saying, forgive all those kind of constructs because that's not who God actually is. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Peter, let me change your mind about God. Let me help you see that you don't have to perpetuate the lie the servant gave to Adam and Eve in the garden about God. Let me help you see that in me there is light and life and love. There is nothing to fear in love. Believe me that God's not angry or distant or making a list and checking it twice. Believe me that he's not punitive and judgmental deciding who's in and who's out, but rather God wants to throw open his arms to love humanity. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Amen. Peter, God's kingdom is the real deal. It's the real deal. Come and be a part of it. Come and see it. Come and taste it. And you know, when he says that final thing in uh, Luke, where he sort of says, from now on you're not going to catch fish, you're going to catch people. Do you know why I think that Peter was going to catch people? Because he was getting an understanding that the kingdom of God is a rhythm, its currency is love. And so it's not like Peter was going out and kind of going, got another soul saved for heaven, there's another seat for heaven. I think that what Peter was doing was that he was looking at individuals that came into his life and he saw their story and compassion and love welled up inside of him and he, he realised because of his own experience with God and how God had entered into his life and how God had ministered to his needs and how God had changed his mind about how he thought about God, he went, I just want to love these people. And that, you know, there's something beautiful and special when you see somebody and all of a sudden you just introduce them to, to this, you know what, this God loves you and he just wants to be with you in whatever situation that you find yourself in. I think that that's really, really attractive. In fact, I think it's so explosively tra- attractive. I remember a number of years ago, and Carmen and Toby, if you want to come on up, that would be great. Years ago, Tim was sitting in the um, cafe and he was having morning tea with um, Toby And at that stage, I think, Toby, you would have described yourself maybe as an agnostic or an atheist. And um, they're there sharing. And then Tim called me over and um, Toby started to share about how he had been estranged from his daughter. And and as he's sitting there sharing this story, my heart's just breaking. You know, I'm just going, oh, that's something that God really feels strongly about, is about connecting fathers and, and children back together again and... And, you know, there's a whole prophecy about that, about the fathers and the, and the children being um, coming back together again. And anyway, I said to Toby, I said, I'm going to pray that she contacts you. 
And I think at the time you laughed, and I wasn't sure whether it was a, an embarrassment laugh or, you know, who's this cuckoo woman, or um, a cynicism laugh or a doubt laugh. Who knows? And it was probably so long ago, and you've, you've had a few encounters with death since then and now. Um, and um, I remember walking away and just praying, and then um, I think I even went to Dave and I said, we've just got to pray for this. And then I came back, and 10 minutes later, his daughter had actually texted him on the phone, which was the first time in a long time that she had done that. And um, at that point, I invited um, Toby to come and discover who this Jesus was, because I think I said to him, oh, you just got kissed by God. Um, And I invited him into our home and um, invited him into a, a Bible discovery group, and I invited Craig Carey, because I felt that Craig and... Toby, we're going to have this connection, you know, this father-son, entrepreneurial kind of a relationship, and that certainly happened. Um, But apart from that one, um, Toby then went on this journey of discovering who God was. Um, You saw God just working you in so many amazing ways. I mean, you're still alive, for starters, which is great. Um, Yeah, you you got baptized, you came to faith, but You've been estranged from your daughter for through those years. It was just such a long, barren season. And I remember as small groups, we would pray about it. And, and even when we weren't praying about it as a small group individually, we were still saying, oh, God, you know what? This net is empty. We want the fish in the net. We just want this, this relationship um, kind of restored. And then last year, something happened. So, do you guys want to unpack what happened last year? Yeah, sure. Um, I've actually, Shaz was uh, sent us through a bit of a run sheet for today and I was reading over it and she mentioned about that text message and so I um, did a bit of reflection on it yesterday and it was, it was a strange one actually because it, it may have been a kiss from God at the time but I thought it was more like a curse because it wasn't a nice text message. Um, we had a, a long history of of um, you know, I suppose struggle with it, and um, and that text message, while it was timely, it felt like it it wasn't necessarily, mm. you know, and and at the time I wasn't um, I hadn't um, found God as such for myself, so uh, I thought, oh, who is this lady? You know, <laughs> <laughs> she's weird. <laughs> I feel like she might be setting me up to fail here for a minute. You know, <laughs> I'm not sure, but um, but yeah, it's, it. Well, I suppose to give it a bit of context. Um, um, Carmen and I had a daughter each when we got together and we had two um, boys that you've probably seen uh, and the two daughters were to other um, other partners and, and it didn't end up working out but she, uh, Carmen came into Sarah's life, my daughter, really early. She was uh, 18 months old um, and all the way up until she was 10 years old um, we had care of her. She was at our house every second weekend. We had a half the time during the week, um, school functions, parent teachers, you know, we had a life together. Yeah, just doing all that normal parenting stuff. <laughs> yeah, you loved yeah. her, didn't you, yeah. Carmen? You loved her as well. Yeah, she was my, my little girl. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, um, and, and then just uh, one day out of the blue, uh, she didn't come to our place um, one afternoon. She was meant to be coming home on the bus. And that started a spiral of, uh, of I suppose... Um, well, it was a bit of panic at the start because, you know, I used to pick her up from the bus stop and she wasn't there. So, 
you know, I rang Toby, where is she? And we couldn't find her, so we got into this panic and then started to realise that actually there was a lot more going on and she wasn't going to be coming back. So, mm. Mm. so we, um, we did all the normal things that, you know, you do as, as parents in those sort of, like, difficult, situ- I, I suppose, um, difficult relationships where you go to counsellors and you, you go, you know, to you just basically you have a set series of different things that you need to do. And you end up with your day in court. Um, and for us, that didn't work out uh, very well. Well, um, we actually decided to stop. We went through all the court lawyers and everything and then reached a point where we realised with her age, we would win the court case and we would get her back, but we couldn't actually make her come back. And she'd been alienated from us, so her views of us at that time, she just didn't want to come back. So there was nothing we could do, even if we won a court case. Mm. So we had to decide to actually step back mm. away, which was really hard. And painful. Yeah. Letting yeah, go. really painful. Yeah. yeah. Um, like we, Carmen said it really well one day and she said, I feel like I've mourned a child that's, that's died but hasn't died. Yeah. Is still living but we just had no contact. Um, and, and that went on for seven, seven years. It was, yeah, it's like you couldn't actually get the closure because she was there and you knew maybe... Mm. She could come back and you hoped that, but it was really difficult to mm. accept that... Basically, to give up control of, um, you know, you're raising your daughter and now you've got no control, no rights, nothing you can do to make her come back. So mm. had to sort of let go and just go, what are we going to do? We could either sink or swim here because it was a pretty emotional mm. time. Mm. So then, so, so during all that process, we met Chaz and Tim and and started like <laughs> checking out the tail race and, and whatever. And, and um, Shaz came to me, you know, with that discussion that day and, and with all of that history in mind, I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Does she have any idea what we've been through? You know, um, mm. but, but remained faithful to that, to that statement she did. And, and, and like I say, we prayed a lot. And, and um, during that time, we found God and um, that's been a, you know, a complete journey for us on our own, God's come in so many different ways into our life now and we're really grateful for that. Yeah. At, um, for me yeah. in that time, um, having God, he sort of gave, he did bring hope, um, allowed us to let go of controlling the situation and actually know someone was there that was holding our hand and in the background, you know, we could hope things were happening. We knew things were happening and we were able to sort of go on with our life, pick up the pieces and just go on with hope in the background that maybe maybe one day we would see her again. So, mm. Mm. I think, I think there's some, there was a moment in time somewhere around there that um, we knew that she would come back one day, but we just didn't know when, you know, or how that for, form would come, come to be. And it ended up happening a lot faster than what we um, mm. ever imagined, I suppose. Yeah, we... Um, we got, well, Toby got a text message from her mother this early this year just saying that he no longer needed to be responsible for her. She was now had a job and all of this and that was a really strange message for us to receive so we just sat on it for a bit and then a, about an hour later he had a missed call from um, the grandfather on the other side and we're just like, oh no, what is going on here? And then he got a message from his daughter about an hour later saying, just letting you know, know that I don't, I'm not living with mum if you need to communicate with me, I'll be at my grandma's. And we haven't heard from her 
for seven years, um, unless it was something pretty negative. So it was a really strange moment, and we're just like, oh, what do we do? You know, do we, oh, do we call her? Or is it is it a trick? Um, Actually, and, and I didn't reply straight away because my history sort of told me that it probably wasn't going to end the way that I'd hoped it would. So I sort of sat on it and then something inside of me, which was God speaking, the next day said, you need to call her. You know, you just need to actually not text, not do anything, but just call her and see if she'll answer the phone. Yeah, we had a lot of, a lot of fear around communicating with her. Um, we'd been given a lot of pain from... Mm. This, that side and it's hard to trust yeah, yeah. so every every communication we had yeah. just came with just a lot of negativity so yeah. there was a big fear with taking that step yeah. and yeah. everyone around us was kind of going oh be really careful oh you just need to go slow and we had this, this chat and we just you know we just knew actually no we're not going slow what have we got <laughs> to lose we've got nothing to lose yeah. she's she's reached out to us so we're just going all in. We're going to go yeah. in. We love her. We've loved her. And we're just going to show her we're here and, you know. Yeah. 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 And, and, and made that phone call. Um, and our, our whole life's turned around since that time. Like, it really has. It's been amazing. And it's something that only God could have done for us. Like, if... It's hard to even in five minutes explain the whole situation and there's other people that have probably similar things that have happened in their life and you honestly feel like nothing's going to fix it. Like it's, it's, a, it's a dead end. Um, and then for it to turn around, um, it was a complete miracle. Yeah. That's what I love about God is that, you know, he just comes and walks beside and then, you know, he just does these things um, mm. unexpectedly and... It's just life with God. It's mm. just because there's no amount of counselling or um, medication or do you know what I mean? Mm. Everything that the world has to offer, yeah. or even everything that the religious church might have to offer in terms of programs and church service, none, none of that can fix this. No. The only thing that could fix it was God. Yeah, and mm. he, and with God, we're able to have peace even when she wasn't there or During even in the this. Process. Yeah, and in yeah. this moment yeah. when she did come yeah. back, we had a peace to be able to know what to do you like yeah it, once upon a time it was all about procedures and this is how it needs to be done and now we're able to sort of sit back and just go what what would jesus do and yeah. and yeah how can we do this from a place of love and it's been amazing how much easier everything is in life to to come from that place of love and think rather than i want to control this situation you know with the court system mm. and and having no results, you know, yeah. you're, getting, you're getting closed doors, but yeah. knowing, you know, knowing God, you just go, okay, yeah. this isn't how it's going to be. We don't like that, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, we can, we can be at peace with the situation and, and move on knowing you've yeah. got something else planned. And, yeah. yeah. I think we've got a picture of uh, Toby and Carmen and Sarah. Have we, have we got that one? There it is. That was, that was last night, actually. Oh, yeah. For her yeah. birthday dinner, we went out for dinner with her and her family last night and she stood up and said how happy she was to have both of her families with that's her. The, um, that's the first birthday that we've celebrated with her in eight years. Yep. I've Let's got a... give God a... Woo-hoo! And then earlier, you guys all got to do a family because just before um, she disappeared from your life, you had planned a big family yeah, we'd, holiday. We'd... 
we'd saved and worked really hard. We were a family with four kids and, you know, we really wanted to do a family trip. So we just worked our butts off and we got there finally. I think Candy was 13, Sarah was 10, Race was 7 and Jet was 4 or something. We're just like, first Gold Coast holiday, we're going to do it. And it was literally a week before that that Sarah stopped coming. So we had to go on this holiday with five of us and we had six booked and it was just such a hard time. Very, very difficult. Um, so yeah. this year we got, we actually had another holiday planned and it was already booked and Sarah came. Basically the same trip we did um, this year to sort of, I suppose, it was like a bit of closure for us yeah. in a way because we got to do that I think we got a photo of you guys too. Yeah, so we went to the zoo, which is something that Sarah really loves, and yeah, it was just the best, actually. Isn't that awesome, seeing a family so restored? That um, photo is a photo that we took um, at the Melbourne Zoo. We had taken the whole family to a zoo when the kids were younger, so we actually replicated the same photo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you also had not only reconciliation with Sarah, but you also with the grand... With the grandparents on the other side, didn't you? Yeah. And that was really bizarre, the way that happened as well, wasn't it? You guys, do you want to tell the story about yeah, just so one day in the middle of nowhere? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. yes. <laughs> God's strange. <laughs> yeah, I think um, we, when Sarah stopped coming to us, Toby reached out to his ex-partner's father who could maybe help us. And unfortunately, he was in such a position that he felt like if he did anything, he would lose access to his other grandchildren. And he was so torn, he couldn't help out. So, mm. so when he got the opportunity to let Sarah know recently that he sh she should reach out to her dad, he was so overwhelmed and, and he rang and just was in tears telling us, oh, I've been waiting for this moment for so long. Mm. And we haven't seen these people for a long time. <laughs> and then we were camping... Probably the same amount of time that Sarah's been yeah. gone, and and no no real contact either, and and so so before this camping trip that we were on, it was just text messages and and whatever, and and then we were camping. Where were we camping? Was... You were down the east coast, and then Sh you Sherwood Forest to go. it was, or yeah. Sherwood River Camp, which, and uh, it was it was a rainy day, and and we thought, oh, we'll, we'll go into Deloraine, we'll near, and then. Uh, we had this, just this epiphany and said, oh, no, we won't go to Delaware we'll go through to... Sheffield. It might have been Sheffield, yeah. yeah, and have lunch at the pub there. So we, there was a lot of us there and we all went into the pub, sat down, and who should be two tables over? It was yeah. her grandparents. Yeah. <laughs> and they had just randomly decided to go yep. to the pub. They, they had too. their bowls cancelled in Launceston yeah. and decided to drive to Sheffield. And so, yeah, we were able to have this lovely big catch-up and chat with them and they could, you know, let us know how happy they were about the situation. And, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. random. <laughs> yeah. God does lots of random things in my life. <laughs> how, does it, how does it feel to do life with God, though? Like... Oh, it's a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, which is really funny because we probably thought it would be a lot harder <laughs> when we were <laughs> learning about God. We just thought, oh, goodness, this is another thing to good. add to life that's already tricky. But, um, yeah, it's kind of the opposite. So when you allow God into your life, things get easier. You do have that extra, extra knowing and extra yeah. support that someone else cares and has your back so yeah mm. definitely um uh releases a lot of burden and stress you know mm -hmm. that you might have 
you can sort of I I, I anyway lean lean on God a lot for that and you know you can take some of that <laughs> yeah. you can deal with some of this stuff now yeah <laughs> you know and yeah but it is it's 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 much easier yeah mm. is there anything else that you feel you want to share no no just I suppose we're thankful for the whole community you know like all you guys make up the church and um, without you you know the prayer groups and like we wouldn't be in the situation that we are now I'd honestly believe that yeah it. and I just say if you've got a situation in your life that feels like you've got no control over it or no power and it's painful then you know God is there and does care and if you reach out I think you'll find that you know there is peace to be had and and things change yeah because the, the only thing he can always do is redeem mm. and reconcile it because that's his kingdom, that's what it's like. Mm. In our situation, that there's no reason, like nobody's changed on the other side yeah. that we can see nothing's changed. So there's no reason that our daughter came back to us or trusted us or even, you know, she was brave. She yeah. came, you know, things had been said and for a young girl it must have been quite a scary thing to take that step but she just did it, you know, yeah. so... Or you feel like that's God. God gave her the courage to mm. do that. So. Yeah. Yep. Before you leave, Craig and Dion, do you guys want to come up and pray for these these two? Would that be okay? Oh, I love putting people on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> come on, you have to come up and do what you do in small group. <laughs> You're naughty. Oh, dear. You guys can stand up. Make it easier for them to pray. Here's a microphone. Here you go. Wow, what a story, Lord. Um, just thankful that we've been on this journey with Toby and Carmen. Thank you for the wonderful blessings you've placed on their life, their family, their children, and also thank you for the blessings that they've brought to us and the teachings and the learning. So I just pray that you would be with them and bless them even more in their journey, and I pray that others out there would, would learn something from this. In Jesus' name. Father God, yeah, I thank you for all the miracles that you have done in Carmen and Toby's life. I thank you for their kids and I thank you that they're all together again, Father. We see the miracles in home group that um, you perform for them and for all of us, Father. And I just thank you that we have been a part of that. And I just, yeah, Lord, I just pray that you will bless each of them, that you will just come upon them and that you will bless them abundantly. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Let's give them a clap. Woohoo! Thank you, Miss Toby. So, do you see why Jesus was so excited to come to earth? Because this is what he wanted to model. He just wanted to model I am interested in your circumstance. I'm interested in your humanity. I'm interested in your brokenness. I'm interested in your story. I'm interested in every single aspect of it. And I want to jump into that. And this is how it happens. And you know what? I want you guys just to imitate me with everybody, everywhere you go, every single day, just to be like me and just to believe that God wants to step in to people's lives and not to create another notch on the belt or got another seat safe for heaven, but to actually bring heaven to earth, his kingdom, into people's lives here and now. 
So how cool is that, hey? We're going to just finish off with a um, song. I don't know which one it is. Maybe, I don't know which one was upbeat. Whatever it was, because God is worth celebrating. You know, sometimes I know we love these worship songs, but you know what? I just love the fact that we just get to celebrate this amazing God who just loves so well. So come on, stand up, stand up. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you. We want to thank you for your love, your beauty, just your grace. We want to thank you that we don't have to be cleaned up for you to be able to enter in our life. We don't even have to put up a hand and say, I believe in you, for you to enter into somebody's life. Father God, I just thank you. I thank you that, you know, when Jesus came, Jesus, you just modeled to us a different picture of God and a different way of doing life with God. Father, I pray for each person here that we will give up self-sufficiency and and depend on you and kind of have our heart and our mouth and kind of go, I believe, God, that you want to intervene in this person's life, that you want to bring grace. Father, help us to give up codependency. Help us to, you have dreams and ideas in this church. You have, you know, you have gifts and abilities and you just want to release them. Father, I pray for creativity and I pray for that, God, with you, anything can happen. That we can put out a a net and we think it's empty space and then you just come and you just fill it and it's overflowing. You are this amazing God and your power is so different to both the religious power and the empire power it is unique and we just say here and now your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven and everybody said amen and they praise god to the best of their ability so lead it (laughs) come on sing thanks for joining us today we hope that you've enjoyed the message and that's had great impact on you if you want prayer would like to connect with us further or you just have questions we would love to chat. You can find us at www.taroscommunitychurch.com.au or you can find us on Facebook. Have a great week.